back to It's a Woman's World, an inclusive space for women and young girls to connect and lift each other up as we hear from inspiring women leaders from all over the world. Joining us today is Daniela Corrente, who was the co-founder and CEO of Real, a tech savings and personal finance platform now acquired by Sumo Wealth. Daniela is now the Chief Strategy and Business Development Officer at Sumo Wealth, the leading fintech company devoted to increasing prosperity, opportunity, and financial inclusion, inclusion for U.S. Latinas. So before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here today and uh, just taking the time to share your story with everyone that's listening, listening in. Um, just reading your profile and learning about your story online, I'm already incredibly inspired by your story, so I can't wait to hear more. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Definitely excited to share my work, what I'm doing, and hopefully inspire others to, you know, do what they want to do. Yeah, of course. Well, to start us off, tell us a little about your background. What was your journey leading up to founding Real and then joining Sumo Wealth? Look, I've always been a very curious individual. Let me start by that. And I've always believed in evolution, right? Like the person that I'm today is very different. In many ways, to the person that I was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, the values, the base is the same, but as you grow and evolve, then your aspirations change, what you're good at changes. So I actually started my career as an industrial designer, um, originally from Venezuela, born and raised, moved to the States for college, did industrial design, worked as an industrial designer for a couple of years. So if you remember Hannah Montana and Camp Rock, <laughs> I did some of those packages for oh, wow. back in the day for Target and Walmart. So yes, that was my first job out of college. Loved it and realized that industrial design wasn't necessarily my calling because it's a beautiful, beautiful career, but it's a slower pace. And recognizing that my personality is, let's say, a little bit hyper, it wasn't it wasn't aligning with my personality. So. I went ahead and did a master's in communication, global strategic communication, and ended up in New York working for some of the largest advertising agencies and, you know, had the incredible advantage of entering the field when digital was sort of new, which was mm -hmm. like 10, you know, a little bit over 10 years ago when not many people wanted to do digital and I wanted to do it. So had had the opportunity to really advance fast in my career because of taking those opportunities. And um, as I was working in the advertising field and in the marketing field, the one thing that I was always highly passionate about was consumer psychology, especially when it comes to money, Gary, because look, we all like to think that we're rational beings, but when it comes to money, emotions drive so much of the decisions that we make on an everyday life. So through that, through my personal experience with that, which wasn't the best because as an immigrant, I came to the States. I, I didn't know about credit cards back then. If you had a post, you had a credit card. Like everywhere they would give you credit cards different <laughs> than today. Uh, so that fascination actually led me to eventually start my own company. Uh, what, as you mentioned, was real. So I went from, from being a marketing marketer to say, you know what, there's a huge need in the market for people to understand the power of their money. We've been led to believe that 
the only way to achieve our goals is by going into debt and that cannot be the reality there has to be other ways and nobody was doing it back then and I'm like you know what I'm gonna do it I I come from a family of entrepreneurs not in tech nothing to do in tech uh but you know uh, with entrepreneurial mindset and spirit where I said you know what I'm gonna go for it and full on and worst case scenario I always have my career I always will find a path and so why not right any everything and anything that you do is learning and so that's how I decided to actually start my own company in financial technology and uh, went ahead and did an amazing amazing couple of years as a CEO of Real where you know we built team we helped thousands of people save money I became one of the few Latinas that raised over $5 million in venture capital from top investors all around the country. Incredible journey. And then at the end of last year, organically conversations about getting acquired happened. And fast forward, the Suma Wealth Acquirers, which is a company that I've been following for years. I've known the founder for years. So it worked out incredibly we joined forces uh we were very excited to to see what would happen together and then uh, i joined beatriz and mary which are the founders of suma on the mission of closing the wealth gap for latinos which is something that i'm highly passionate about so that's a long story of how <laughs> how we got here no i think you mentioned about your story is one of evolution and constantly growing and i think that definitely is so relevant and um, really a core part of being an entrepreneur because I think just learning from other women entrepreneurs, including you, like I, you see that there's so many things that can come in your way and then you'll switch to a different path and, you know, continue on something else. And I think uh, just learning from your story, just having that resilience and also energy to, uh, I guess, venture into a new path and founding real. I think it's really cool that you started out making those Hannah Montana uh, package designs and now you're here uh, as a powerhouse in financial technology and financial literacy. It's a very inspiring story. No, thank you. And I love to share it because anybody that's hearing this, sometimes, you know, you're in college or studying and you think, okay, this is it. This is what my whole life or my whole career is going to be. And for some people, yes, that's true. For others, as you enter the work field, as you meet people, as you get passionate about more things, whatever you have learned helps you unlock sort of like this new version of you or evolved version of you. And everything that I learned in the past or many of those things, are applicable to today's life, right? Like having worked in corporate was an incredible experience of learning about structure. And, you know, that helped me with everything that I did along the way in order to get here. Yeah, I think like being in college and having just finished my first year, I look back on myself from a year ago and I feel like a completely different person. (laughs) And some of the things like I feel so embarrassed about, but there's another part of me that's just like, so proud of me for getting through that first year of college because it's really difficult. Yeah. And like also like realizing that I came in with one major and now I'm more in the STEM side. I was coming in as humanities and I think it's really cool when you like kind of reflect on your past and you really take it all in and think like, wow, I really have changed. And that only means that there's so much more in the future for you to learn and grow. And 
um, yeah, I think in college there is kind of like a narrative pushed out there that you have to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. But we also forget sometimes that we're human beings and we are evolving all the time. So naturally our career is going to be evolving every day. Yeah, like there is a difference, right? Between what do you want to do and who do you want to be? Totally different thing. And and for, for example, in Spanish, people tend to ask you like, oh, who do you want to be when you when you grow up? And they're talking about career. And that's totally different than what do you want to do, right? I'm yeah. always like, no, 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 no. It's like, what do you want to do? But as a human being, you're going to evolve constantly. And what you do, it's going to be an extension of that. I think, you know, my generation, your generation, generations to come, uh, we have had sort of the advantage of technology, the advantage of parents that have allowed us to explore in ways that perhaps they couldn't, so that we can have those opportunities of truly evolving and becoming whoever we want to be, regardless of what we're doing. Yeah. And I think you mentioning technology, like it's become such an integral part of our daily lives and that having that power of technology and powering it um, or like kind of funneling it into financial literacy and inclusion. I think your project as in real and in Sumo Wealth has been incredible in utilizing that power of technology because there are so many ways to use it, some good and some bad, but making sure that, you know, you're opening more doors for people of marginalized communities and such uh, is a very important uh, and inspiring uh, accomplishment that you've done. Yeah, and even as a Latina, look, there are so many things that are that I am learning, right? Working, mm-hmm. targeting Latinos in the U.S. Like Latinos contribute three trillion to the GDP in the U.S. So we have money, we are spending money, but we're not doing it in a way that we're building generational wealth because we necessarily we haven't been taught necessarily on how to do that. So that's really what we're into. So it's fascinating because. You know, with this role that I'm taking here, I'm constantly learning about things that are relatable to my own demographic within this, within here, within the States. So I love it. Yeah, I'm, that sounds like a really, uh, like a really, I guess, engaging job and uh, something that you can relate to. I think that's something I definitely want to try and do later on in my future. And talking about your job, what is a typical uh, day in your role at Sumo Wealth looks like? Um, what is your favorite part of the job? My favorite part is definitely the learning, as I was telling you. Uh, I think that applies to anything that I do. Again, I'm, I'm super curious. So anything new that I'm learning and evolving at, um, I love relationship building. So right now at Suma, I'm running strategy and business development. What that means is that from a strategy perspective, highly focused on working with the C-level suite on what are our goals, what are our objectives, how are we going to get there, and how we can be highly efficient when it comes to you know, our, our revenue streams and, and growing the company. From a business development perspective, it's all around partnerships, right? Who are the right partners for us to go after? How can we position ourselves with those partners? And then going on and implementing that. So talking to large enterprises, corporations that are actually looking to help close the wealth gap and for us to, to be out there and optimize that message and help them connect with a demographic that is young Latinos in the U.S. that have all this capital and are looking to be smart on how they deploy it. 
Yeah, I think your message and role in that company is really relevant to today's world, especially to college students. I think being one myself, you mentioned about how like a lot of people have like they have the money to spend, but sometimes we don't know how to best use it. And I can definitely relate to that sometimes because there's so many distractions in colleges and like all those credit cards you need to apply for or just like wanting to get the best of things for your education and just daily life routine. And so making sure that uh, kids like us or young adults are making informed decisions, I think is a pivotal way in making sure that all of these uh, minority groups have uh, a way to create generational wealth. Because in today's world, we definitely do see that there is a wealth gap between these communities. And uh, frankly, not I, I don't think that there is enough support from the government or just in school education to teach us. I think from my experience being in high school and middle school, elementary school, we didn't get any financial literacy education. And now all of us college kids are trying to, I guess, learn on our own. But it is very hard to do that without any help or any support from those enterprises, like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean makes perfect sense you know it's part of there there's so many elements at play when it comes to financial education and one thing that you know it's been fascinating about working at suma is the fact that even though we're highly focused on accessibility for latinos we see that over 20 percent of our of our users are not latinos because the content that we're putting out there it's content that resonates with everybody we are doing it with the latinos team like with the in culture team where we use like food or the way your grandma talks to you. We use these references, but at the end of the day, learning about 401k, it's a topic that is of relevance for Latinos, not Latinos, right? For everybody, learning about investment, learning about how, how do you actually properly manage your finances? All of that is relevant. We're just doing it in a way that they feel seen and they feel heard, which is very new. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I was looking at the Instagram of Suma Wealth the other day, and I was just so amazed about how relevant it is to Gen Z and using all these pop culture references and figures. I think that is such an incredible way to teach something that hasn't been taught through the eyes of young adults and through the eyes of uh, minorities, because a lot of the time education in schools are taught through, solely through one narrative. And in today's world, they're trying to you know enforce one narrative through law. And so just seeing that, you know, companies are trying to open up the spaces and doors for more than just one demographic is inspiring. And it gives us hope for the future as well, especially, um, you know, Sumo Wealth. Um, but moving on, talking about identity and heritage, uh, how has that shaped the person that you are today and your approach towards founding and leading a company? Look, I think... Being an immigrant in general, being a Latina, being an immigrant, all of those things tend to be associated with resilience. And it's true, I think. It's highly connected with my approach and, and everything in life, right? Where as an individual, you constantly have to keep pushing forward to open doors that haven't been open before, but that sort of gets ingrained in your DNA, like it or not, because it's part of a reality that hopefully won't be a reality that perhaps, you know, when I have kids or in the future, they would have to face. But it's part, it's part of the DNA that, that full on, you know, keep pushing forward positivism, that, you know, proudness of 
of my heritage proudness of where I come from and being able to put that at the forefront or everything that I do has definitely made that difference because every room that I go in, everything that I do, I'm, I'm excited about the path forward, but you know, I don't forget where, where I come from or, you know, the people that have been with me and have supported me through this journey. And, and, and to, as you said before, we bring those stories to the table in order to unlock opportunities, not only for me, but, but for everybody else. So definitely being a Latina has, has shaped who I am as a professional. I always say that, you know, I'm unapologetically opinionated and I can be loud if I want to be loud. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a beautiful motto to live by. And, um, (laughs) but yeah, I think that is just so great that you get to keep or just, I guess, hold on to your identity and make that such a core and grounding part of your professional career, especially being in a country that, um, that you came to as a young adult, I think, being a first generation kid, it is a little tough to kind of, I guess, reconnect back to my heritage. And I'm always trying to look for ways to, I guess, center myself in my identity and heritage, because at the end of the day, those are the things that I found find comfort in. And those are the things that I guess kind of motivate me to push forward and thinking back on my parents' story of coming to America. And so, you know, have you like finding that, I guess, center ground in your identity, but also your professional pursuits is uh, a great example for many young women and girls and just anyone in general that are maybe struggling with uh, finding ways to pursue their identity, but also their professional career at the same time. And and one thing that, you know, that I would say now that we're touching on this topic about, you know, being a woman, being an immigrant and all of that, I think two things that I would say to, to anybody, any young woman starting, it's like, one, you're not responsible to carry everybody's story. Mm-hmm. be responsible of your own story I think like sometimes we have that narrative of oh I'm responsible of every single Latina that it's out there no I'm responsible of me and I'm doing the best that I can and hopefully in that path I open the doors for others but you cannot have that constant weight on your back because I don't know about others but to me it would slow me down instead of pushing me forward so and same thing with with guilt right like sometimes things are going to work out sometimes things are not going to work out I think uh, we work on when we talk on a range of emotions fortunately and unfortunately when it comes to immigration people have a lot of responsibilities on themselves and a lot of guilt and you're here yes be thankful don't forget where you come from be thankful to all the sacrifices and the things that the previous generations have done for us and they have opened doors for us to keep pushing forward not for us to keep looking back Yeah, I think that's something really important that uh, I guess for immigrants and first generation kids and so on need to remind themselves of that because at the end of the day, it's about opening doors for others, but also making sure that you're staying true to yourself and you're not letting yourself get overwhelmed by that burden of, I guess, trying to write that narrative for everyone else as well. Um, I think for me personally, it's, I think that because there aren't as much, there isn't as much representation for minority women and women of color, that burden does feel like it does lay upon us naturally, because uh, we're just so focused on pursuing that narrative that we want to open the door for everyone and, and not just us. But yeah, I think hearing what you said, I, I, I've kind of realized myself that in order to 
write that narrative and open the door for other people, we also need to focus on ourselves as well. Yeah, it's a balance, right? I remember when I just started as an entrepreneur, I was at an event and I was so focused and so heads down on building my product at the beginning and fundraising and doing all of these things that were that were new to me. And, uh, you know, I remember being on this huge panel uh, and, and somebody asked me like, okay, what are you doing for, how are you spending your time and how are you doing for everybody, every single other Latina that is out there? And I remember at the time it got me off guard and I'm like, hey, look, at this point, I'm starting. Yes, I've been able to fundraise. I've been able to do, do all of all of these things. And hopefully by me being here and working my ass off, working full on into pushing forward, this is going to open the doors for so many others. But right now, I really need to focus on this without forgetting about everybody else without forgetting about the impact without forgetting about you know the support system without forgetting about all of that if i stop every day right now that i'm just starting this was years ago it's hard but look because i've been so focused doing this i've been able to like break the barrier on like you know latinas in fintech or break the barrier into fundraising or break the barrier for this one all of these things happen because I was so focused on, on the success of what I was building, but inherently it's opening the doors for everybody else. So as soon as I was able to sort of get more balance, then I started doing more back to the community. But what I had accomplished was already affecting the community, even without me thinking about it every day. Yeah, I think you bring up like a really important point that doing like working on yourself and on your business and progressing in that is also progress for the communities that you represent. And I think um, I realized that it's also leading by example, making sure that you're pursuing your own dreams and doing what you can for yourself is also going to be an example for other women and young girls and members of the communities that you uh, relate to. They're going to be looking up to you in terms of well, she's pursuing her dream, so maybe I should too. And she's breaking down these barriers. I can do that too as well. And yeah, I think it, it does take a while to kind of find that balance. Um, but I think eventually everyone does find that kind of balance to represent their community, but also pursue their passions. Mm -hmm. So talking about your journey in the business world and representing your community, what are some of the challenges that you faced as a woman of color in the business world? Like I think, you know, being the first in many rooms, uh, it's something that that obviously was part of of the everyday of the everyday life. Um, you know, being either like the only Latina or the only female, especially in the field that that I'm at. Um, now it's starting to get more diverse, slowly but surely. But when I started, no, it wasn't. I used to be the only one in many rooms. Uh, so definitely that psychologically, you have to, to prepare yourself to know that that doesn't make you less or that doesn't make you, if the contrary, it gives you power, right? It gives you power to bring a different narrative and owning that. Um, I was, you know, lucky enough that I grew up in an environment that always gave me like that sort of sense of security. Uh, so I've always seen myself when I was the CEO of Real, I would enter any room, any pitch or anything. And I'm like, I'm a CEO right? like anybody else that is in this room, regardless of how we look. 
we all are running companies. And so we have, we should have the same level of impact with our voices. And that's something that I've always been very adamant on. And so um, to me, it was like always keeping that in mind and, and not everybody's gonna understand your story. And obviously, you know, there are so many biases out there. People fund people that look like them that that's a reality that data proves but you cannot let that stop you because if you're gonna think it, think of all the data and all the biases and everything like you wouldn't go out and do it so i was always very much like i'm a ceo my idea is amazing it's an advantage if we let you in for you same that it is for me we're you know playing in the same game field and i think that was always that was always um something that has helped me in my career. Like any room that you work on and you walk in, your mental strength, it's the best thing that you can work on and invest on throughout your whole life. Because whatever room situation or anything, just making sure that in your head, you can position yourself with the security that you want to, to see. And, you know, you realize once you enter many rooms, like, you know, people are going through either the same horrors or the same issues or the same gains that you are at as a founder in general. So that makes you feel more more comfortable. And I always mix myself with every type of founder, uh, diverse founders, every every type of, of founder out there. Because the more you listen to different people's stories, the more you realize that, hey, these are something that People go through, even if you are like white, brown, like any color, right? And, and different stories, different hurdles to go over, but it gives you some cell phone security. And I know this sounds, can sound funny, but when you hear other founders of different colors or different backgrounds going through the same issues, you're like, ah, okay, you're going through that too. Fine. That <laughs> makes me feel better. <laughs> No, I definitely get that. And uh, you make a really important point about having that mindset that you're being confident in yourself, you feel secure in your story that you have to tell in the pitch that maybe you might want to give out to, into a meeting. I think that is something that I think for myself going into a room where I don't look like everyone else, it does kind of get into my head a little bit unintentionally sometimes. But if you have enough security and enough mental strength, like you mentioned, to kind of push through and make sure that those ideas or biases and stereotypes aren't getting in the way of your true self and what you want to portray out to the world. Because in today's world, there are so many images and descriptions that are just, uh, I guess, forced upon us. And so we have to kind of do that extra work to, you know, direct our own story, rewrite that narrative, and also get our ideas outside into the world. Because I feel like sometimes people view me as just my identity and that's great. I want to, you know, portray my heritage and identity as much as I can because I'm proud of it. But I also want people to see that other side of me, that professional side and that academic side where I'm excited about the ideas I have to put out. And, um, you know, I hope I think one day when I found a company, I'm I'm excited to do both representing my community, but also, uh, I guess, like you said, being a CEO and feeling confident in that and. Uh, just being really amazing at it. And seeing women like you do that for so many other women and being an example is incredibly inspiring and so motivating 
for people like me to go ahead and do that for themselves. Yeah, no, no, nobody else is you. And and I know it's not the easiest thing to, to remember, but sometimes you meet incredible people and you're like, okay, yes, I met X, but it's a privilege for you to meet me too. And having that <laughs> mentality always helps, right? Uh, there is no other Daniela Corrente. There is no other you, Gary. So it's when you walk into a room, having that in mind, it's, it's to me, it was always important. Uh, and it just helped me ground myself in moments where I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I'm here. Or, wow, I'm sitting next to this person. Or I'm like, okay, that person is probably excited to meet me too. And if they're not, then they don't know the full story and everything that I can do, right? So working on that, um, I think EQ is incredibly important. And I wish that they teach them more in school. Uh, because schools focus a lot on IQ, but the reality is that what's going to make a difference, or at least what I've seen in my career, it's, it's EQ. EQ, it's a huge, like I would say like 80% of, of what it takes um, to succeed in either a job or in a personal relationships. Yeah, I think mental strength and emotional intelligence is, I think now it's becoming more of a thing and more, it's becoming more mainstream now because we realized from past generations and past years that we were lacking something that we needed to be as complete humans or feel whole as individuals. And now I feel really lucky to kind of be growing up in a generation where we're putting those things at the forefront rather than just only focusing on academics or only focusing on working and studying and being active nonstop. I think it's important to take that time to reflect on yourself and also uh, make sure that you're grounded in your values, your identity, and that you're confident in what you want to pursue. Because you can't get to your destination without being sure of how you're going to get there and how you're going to push yourself to go forward. But talking about those challenges and overcoming them, who has been your biggest inspiration or greatest role model to date? Uh, who has been that person that has motivated you or given you those lessons to overcome these challenges? Look, I thought a lot about that one, and, and there are so many people that I can mention, but I keep coming back to my parents, honestly. Uh, and I know it, it can sound very simple, but it's the reality. I think, you know, my, my parents taught me resilience and that positivism. I'm, you know, incredibly privileged that my parents have always been so positive about everything, either, even in the craziest moments as a family financially or anything they've always been like there has to be something good out of it and what is that and we'll find that so I grew up in that environment and that's why I would choose them as their role model because regardless of anything they've always 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 have fun ways to find positive on everything and and that's something that I'm incredibly proud of and that, you know, uh, I have it in my own personality and I didn't realize it uh, until somebody pointed it out because it was like my my everyday. And so I'm incredibly thankful for that. And and yeah, so they, they, uh, are, the, they are the role model. That's really beautiful. I think um, our parents, they play such a pivotal, fundamental part in who we are as adults and individuals later in life and it isn't until we're kind of on our own that we realize oh this I kind of took this from my parents or you know this was the reason why I'm like this today and I think 
it must have been such a great moment when someone pointed that out in you because um, our parents are in us every day in our everyday lives. And for myself, I'm they would also be one of my great biggest role models because I wouldn't be here without them. And they're also immigrants like you are. So just I, I feel like I've gotten that resilience from them. Like it's been it's going to be passed down into generations because that their story and where they came from is just um, I wouldn't be here without them. And so I definitely want to keep those values in the family and further on for generations to come. Yeah, and you'll have you'll give your own tweets, right? Like everybody's doing the best that they can uh, with what they have and what they have learned. So I think like every generation, as I said, have more access to different things, as you're saying. Like now we talk more about EQ, about emotions, about mindset. So perhaps my approach to the resilience that they taught me is going to be different whenever I have a family or your approach is going to be different, right? Like there is no perfection. There is just constant evolution. But the core value of that, like positive and resilience, and I, I want it to stay through regardless of how we express it. Yeah, of course. I think those are really important core values that, you know, shape a person and also set them up for success. And once again, that topic of evolution, uh, we might go through so many changes, our lessons will go through so many changes. The way we teach financial literacy already is going through so many changes. But um, the important thing is that when we evolve, we keep those core values and beliefs and that core message, whether it's financial inclusion or, you know, being positive in your everyday life. So yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> but talking about Sumo Wealth and your role, what does the future hold for you and your company? Are there any potential collaborations or any new projects that you're excited to venture and try? We have some incredible collaborations that are coming in. I cannot say the name of the partners <laughs> yet, but we're closing collaborations with some of the largest financial platforms in the U.S., some of the largest retailers. Uh, we just closed a collaboration with Match.com, uh, which I'm excited, wow. Chispa, which is uh, the Latino arm for Match, uh, with the National Association of Realtors. So we have some really great things. Uh, we have done things historically with, you know, companies like Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley. Um, so very excited with everything that's going on and to see all of these large corporations and Fortune 500 corporations actually, actually investing into the Latino market properly. It's something that gives me a lot of, of pride. And um, for us, our biggest, biggest mission here at SUMA is to help close the wealth gap. However, we can do in order to get Latinos closer to build generational wealth and to feel confident with their finances. That's our focus, that's our objective, and that's what you know keeps me moving and going with every partnership that we close. Yeah, I think that you being in that role and you know facilitating these partnerships, it must be so inspiring and also give you so much hope that you're talking to these big companies and enterprises and you're seeing that positive uh, approach and positive feedback coming in about your company's mission. And I think that's so great that all of these companies are investing in the mission of Sumo Wealth. And I'm so excited to see what collaborations are coming out in the near future with Sumo Wealth. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And it's going to open the doors for so many more Latinos and Latinas to, you know, start thinking about their finances and get some help that hasn't been there before in previous generations. Yeah, that's the hope. That's what we're going for. <laughs> of course. Okay, so 
we've finished the primary questions. Now we're going to move on to the rapid fire questions. Uh, these are just spontaneous, quick answer questions. Whatever comes uh, to your mind, you can say it. So you ready? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Describe yourself in three words. I would say driven, curious, and positive. Okay. Very positive. What is your favorite all-time TV show? Oh, that's super hard. Uh, this is a favorite all-time TV show. Something that I could rewatch a thousand times. I mean, I don't. I don't want to say that it's a favorite all-time TV show, but one that always makes me laugh is Shoes Creek. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I seen that. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay, I'll check that out. <laughs> yeah, it's super Howdy. random. Uh, I, it depends. Like now, if you ask me that, and I'm blanking, but that's the first one that came to mind. Maybe because I saw a, a meme about it this morning that made me laugh, and that's why it's in the forefront of my mind. But yeah, that's that's one that comes to mind. The Office makes me laugh. I usually watch TV for to laugh, not to yeah. get stressed. Yeah, this I love one, The Office. One that is a little bit stressful, but it was good. Beef. I saw it recently. Beef. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a serious show. <laughs> um how do you like to start your day music so music definitely I, I play music in the in the mornings either in my head or on Spotify <laughs> but I'm always playing music what is your favorite genre or song or artist that you've been listening to look uh it depends on the mood it definitely depends on the mood my my Spotify it's been called to my attention that it's very random so it was definitely I can I love electronic music but I also love reggaeton or you know I can hear to bossa nova when I'm chilling so yeah and I usually wake up with a song in my head Ooh, okay. um, and, and that and that can be anything from like the randomness like Spice Girl to like a full-on uh, classic like Frank Sinatra like there is definitely it depends on it depends on the mood but I can dance anything dancing okay. makes me happy that's good that's always good uh name one food you could never give up I would say ham and cheese croissants for breakfast. I love mm. ham and cheese croissant for breakfast. So I would say that. Uh, yeah, those are always good. Such a good option for breakfast. Last question. If you could teleport anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Let's see. It's it's summer. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I would go to Busios right now. Oh, actually, I, I say that because I just came back to, from Venezuela. Uh, but yeah, there is a beautiful, tiny beach in Brazil that makes me so happy. So I would say Busios. Why not? Let's just spend a day like sunbathing and chilling. That's how I'm feeling today. Yeah. <laughs> because I... it's like a crazy Monday. But <laughs> I could definitely use a beach day. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you've passed the rapid fires round. Congratulations. <laughs> but last question, just to end on an inspiring and positive note. What advice would you give to young women entering the workforce, especially the world of entrepreneurship? Don't take anything personally. Um, you know, 
everybody's going through their own journey. Sometimes people are going to give you feedback that's relevant. Sometimes they're going to give you feedback that's not. Sometimes people don't know how to express themselves or their emotions. And so it's not really about you. Um, so don't, don't take it that way. Just absorb the information that's out there. See what's going to help you grow and what's not. Let it be. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the biggest thing that I would put out there. Don't think, don't take it personally. It's not, don't make it about you or don't, don't let it stress you when it's not, uh, when it's not worth it. And so, yeah, take, take everything with a grain of salt and make the best out of it. That's yeah. That, that's really relevant, uh, especially to college kids. Cause we're all going for our own journey and we're all, you know, going through a tough time because it's a new phase in our lives. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in the little things that someone might have said or done, where at the end of the day, it might not be as serious as we think it is. And it really isn't about ourselves. It's more about what the other person is going through. And so, yeah, just I think coming back to yourself at the end of the day and being okay with yourself is most important. So, yeah, that's a great piece of yeah. advice. And one thing that I've seen, right, in the in the social media era or now that we're all communicating through Zoom or, or through messages, either on Slack or text or WhatsApp, it's that there is an element that gets a little bit lost with the emotion, right? And I don't need, like, if you know me, I don't need 20 exclamation points in order for you to know that I'm asking you how are you in a good tone, right? Uh, and I think that's getting a little bit lost with communication, right? Because it gets harder because you read messages in whatever mood you are sometimes. So if you're in a bad mood and somebody sends you a message that's like, hey, how are you? Can you do this? It happens to me, happens to anybody. So keeping that in mind, it's important because it's different. When you used to be in the office and you could see a person smile and that would make you realize that, you know, they weren't mad or, but nowadays that, that element gets lost through all the, the texting and it happens on jobs, personal, anything. So that's something that has been fascinating to see of like, hey, you know, this is, this is why I'm like, let's take it full on and, and I don't need 20 emojis for you to know that I'm happy or I don't need you to send me 20 emojis to know that, that you're doing your job. And it, it's hard and I see it every day. It's really hard. So uh, keep that in mind as you're, as you're communicating yeah. with others. I think that's important. Yeah, I think uh, texting and social media can get really exhausting sometimes and feeling like you have to use all these emojis can get a little a little stressful, honestly, sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, keeping that in mind is, is very important moving forward into this generation of technology and social media. So yeah, great piece of advice to end on. Before we close out this episode, do you have any last words or anything you'd like to share? Thank you so much. Honestly, I had a lot of fun talking to you. I really enjoy seeing, you know, the work that you're doing on these, <sighs> even if you're mindful of it or not, what you are doing, putting the voices out there, putting your time and your effort makes a difference for others. So, you know, I hope you're super proud of yourself for that. And I certainly, you know, enjoyed being here and I hope to see you keep evolving and growing over time. Thank you so much. That that means a lot to me, really. I, I always... 
I look up to everyone that I interview, including you, and your story has been really impactful, and I'm sure it will be for everyone that's going to be listening in. So thank you. And your time in being here means more than you'll ever know. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. This is your host, Gowri Rangu, and I'll see you in the next episode of It's a Woman's World.